Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a new season of the Scoop and Score podcast. For some of you, you might be hearing my voice for the first time since December. Quite a lot has changed in the world since then, including the recording of the John Q rewatchable episode of the Scoop and Score podcast. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I urge you to go back in the archives, find it um, a really um, important breakdown of a really important film, if I'm being very honest. But we now have college football, and that is what this podcast is all about. There was uh, there was some time there where we, we weren't so sure we were going to have it. Uh, certainly a couple conferences did not plan on playing this fall, but I am glad that I held off, uh, I did what maybe some of, uh, some of these other conferences, conferences should have done, where I said, you know, I'm not going to be here right at the beginning of the season, but let's just sit back, see how things, uh, play out. I'll continue to prepare. I'll continue to be ready. And then I'll be, uh, ready to come back full force right at the very end of September, early October, and here I am. I'm glad I waited, because a lot has changed in just the last couple of weeks. We have a situation where almost every FBS college football team is going to try to play this fall, I believe 127 out of the 130 FBF team, FBS teams will be playing. Um, that includes all of the Power 5 conferences, really all of the conferences, I think, I think UMass, maybe Mexico State, um, and, or sorry, UConn, UMass is playing, UConn, New Mexico State, and a third team that I can't remember off the top of my head will not be playing, um, with, uh, all due respect to the civil conflict, I do not think any of those teams will, uh, be greatly missed, and, and, and missing them will not greatly impact the college football season overall. Um, and, and we've recently heard that there could be a full slate of bowl games this year. I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves to even start to think about that. Um, who knows if any fans would be allowed in the stands, and if there are no fans, uh, would is it even financially viable for the Bulls to go forward? That is not what he we are here to discuss right now. We're just here to celebrate the fact that there is college football. Um you know, in terms of getting the Big Ten and Pac-12 back uh, into the fold, I do have some concerns about whether they will, you know, the, the Big Ten is expected to play a nine-game season over a nine-week span. I, I certainly have concerns about that, especially when you look at what's gone on here uh, just in the last couple of weeks with Notre Dame. Um, you know, they they went through all the protocols. They, they tested everybody on Friday. Um, of a game week, and then there were certain players who tested negative uh, in that Friday test that went on to then test positive after the game. Um, so even these these Friday uh, before a game testing protocols aren't always going to catch everything. Um, just so so it is a risk. Um, there's always going to be situations then when you're likely to have you know potentially positive players playing in a game, which then leads to contact tracing. Um, for your opponent as well. So I think it's going to be really difficult um, for the Big Ten and Pac-12 to kind of get through 
their seasons without the built-in bye weeks that we saw from, say, the ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC that were all able to start earlier and then build in um, the bye weeks. The one thing that uh, is a bit of positive news coming from um, the the Notre Dame story, and this is um, constantly evolving, but Brian Kelly uh, did speak to Heather Dinich at ESPN about this and specifically mentioned that uh, based on contact tracing and who's been positive and things like that, they seem to be pretty confident that on-field transmission is pretty low. Um, so that's certainly good news in terms of transmitting it to the other team and and things like that, where you could kind of wipe out uh, multiple teams based on uh, a few positive tests. So that's certainly good news and could be the kind of thing uh, that, that does help uh, the Big Ten and Pac-12 get through their seasons as much as possible. And that's what we all want, because we want as much football as possible. Uh, we want really... Um, everyone to play as many games as possible to hopefully have a, a clear shot at the playoffs so that everyone can be properly ranked. Um, I've had people ask me, you know, what I think in terms of, say, if the Big Ten plays six or seven games, you know, if Ohio State goes six and oh, um, and, and, you know, Notre Dame goes nine and one or something, how is the committee uh, going to rank those two teams? I, as I've said many, many times before. I don't necessarily like to get into some of those hypotheticals quite so far away. Things tend uh, to work themselves out, um, but that will be certainly an interesting thing. I mean, if if an Ohio State fan were to then retort and say, well, you know, if we, if we don't get to play Purdue, is that really that big a deal uh, in terms of, you know, missing that game? And the answer with Ohio State, you know, two out of the last, what, three or four years, yeah, it has been that that game against a weaker team um, that has tripped them up. So I definitely think there is value in playing and winning more games, but it's got to be on a case-by-case basis in terms of uh, how these teams are ranked at the end of the season. So I definitely don't want to put a hard line on how many games it's, it's necessary uh, to get into the playoff, and obviously the college football playoff committee has not put any kind of line on that either. In terms of uh, the actual college football on the field over the first few weeks, it's been interesting. I've been, uh, I've been dealing with moving. So I have, uh, I've had kind of busy weekends a little bit. I've tried to watch where I can, but I have certainly not watched as many games as usual. Frankly, there haven't been, uh, there haven't been nearly as many games to watch uh, this past weekend, I actually with with Notre Dame not playing, um, I I actually went out and experienced fall. Uh, I feel like this was the first time in in quite a while that on any day that wasn't uh, on, on any day in September or October or November, I was actually out you know experiencing the world. Uh, there's this thing that happens. I don't know if you're all aware of it. The leaves change colors. I I guess I usually miss this. You know, I, I kind of uh, retreat inside sort of late August, early September. The trees are pretty green. And then when I come back out, the trees have usually fallen off. The leaves have usually fallen off the trees at that point. But uh, there is this whole in-between period. You get some oranges and reds and purples. Really a beautiful thing. I uh, urge um, a lot of you to get out there and try to see this phenomenon if you do have the chance. Um, so I admittedly did not watch a lot of college football this past weekend. Did keep my eyes 
uh, on on the games, was able to watch the last five minutes or so of that Kansas State upset over Oklahoma, the second straight year that the Wildcats have knocked off the Sooners. They won that one 38-35. And this is the same Kansas State team that that lost to Arkansas State week one. Um, you know, we, we try to avoid the this team lost to this team, which lost to this team, which lost to this team. But given the way the Big 12 started back in week one, where Kansas State and Iowa State and Kansas all lost to significantly uh, weaker opponents, that is definitely going to hurt uh, the overall opinion of the Big 12, especially when we're not getting these um, significant non-conference schedules that we usually do. It was really just this one game uh, out of conference for these Big 12 teams, and now they're just all going to play each other. So it's kind of hard for the Big 12 to... Um, improve its reputation when they're not going to be playing many games out of conference and those that they did play they lost to what's thought to be much uh, weaker division opponents so that's certainly something to keep an eye on where usually you would say okay it's the second or third week of the season Oklahoma losing one game certainly isn't going to knock them out of playoff contention in this case it might because not only are they going to have to run the table the rest of the way but even if they do run the table the rest of the way, they'll just be doing it against Big 12 teams that will already sort of have a stink on them, given the uh, the early season non-conference performance. Um, so that is certainly something to keep in mind. Uh, I'd say the second uh, biggest upset and really the second biggest story of the day, Mississippi State knocking off defending champ LSU 44 to 34. Uh, they did it in Death Valley. You know, obviously uh, the spread here uh, was was pretty significant in LSU's favor. But I have to say, and it's easy to say as someone who did not host a podcast last week, I'm not shocked by this outcome. LSU lost so much, and and in college football, I mean, we we've grown accustomed to Alabama kind of retooling and reloading, but that is not the norm. You lose as many guys as LSU lost last year. And that is going to have an impact. And then on the other side, Mike Leach coming into Mississippi State, bringing the air raid offense to the SEC, uh, bringing K.J. Costello from Stanford with him, someone who uh, was pretty adept at slinging the ball around in the Pac-12. So they lit it up. Uh, Costello threw for over 600 yards in that game um, and and you know won, won relatively easily. And uh, I should note that LSU becomes the first defending champion to lose their season opener since the 1998 Michigan Wolverines, the first college football game that I ever attended back in September of 1998 uh, in South Bend, Indiana at Notre Dame Stadium. So, uh, so a little bit of history there. Uh, another pretty exciting and, and nearly uh, big upset. Texas rallied uh, with 15 points over the last two minutes to uh, to push Texas Tech to overtime, and then ultimately won the game 63 to 56. And and what I said about Oklahoma and Kansas State so close to being the same situation here um, with with Texas, where you know they almost lose to Texas Tech, and this is the same. Uh, Texas Tech team that was really uh, nearly beaten by Houston Baptist, only winning that game by two points a couple weeks ago. So this all uh, continues to to uh, fall into that same uh, 
categorization that I was I was putting Oklahoma under, although obviously um, a win much better than a loss uh, here in Texas's case. But uh, you know, I don't know. I, I really think the Big Twelve is in trouble. Um, obviously, a lot will come of that Oklahoma Texas game coming up in just uh, two weeks at this point, and uh, and maybe one one bright spot in the Big Twelve. Uh, Dave Aranda finally got to make his debut with Baylor after their opening game was postponed like three or four times for for different reasons with different opponents. Um, but they handled Kansas forty-seven to fourteen. Uh, that could be a good hire for Baylor. Um, always have have really been such an offensive juggernaut. They're bringing a defensive head coach, and uh, and we'll see what he'll be able to do there. Um, well, I think there's some panic um, that is that is warranted in the Big Twelve. I think the SEC, um, you know, what, whatever a level below panic is, is is probably appropriate. Um, maybe just pumping the brakes on some teams with really high expectations. Um, Georgia, you know, national championship hopes this year plays against Arkansas, who is truly one of the worst, uh, power five teams playing right now. Um, only, uh, only led, or excuse me, they were down, uh, seven, five at halftime of that game. Uh, both, both Georgia, uh, Arkansas and Texas A&M Vandy, uh, were seven, five at halftime of their games, which is, uh, certainly a rare score. Uh, funny that they were both happening more or less at the same time within the same conference and both had that score at half, but their, uh, their quarterback situation is certainly one to monitor. Um, you know, Dwan Mathis coming in, um, that was going to be, he was, he was the next guy. They were excited about him. Um, ultimately, uh, Stetson Bennett had to replace him and, and lead the team to victory. JT Daniels still, uh, still injured at this point, although it does sound like he has the green light for this upcoming week. So Georgia definitely, uh, has uh, a QB problem to figure out, you know, after, after Jamie Newman, the transfer from Wake Forest opted out of the season, um, you know, it seemed like they had an embarrassment of riches between JT Daniels um, and and Jamie Newman. But Newman opts out. Uh, Daniels was hurt. Mathis got the job, didn't perform well. So it's kind of you know same. Uh, I, what 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 is the saying there? Same song, different different key. Is that is that a saying that people say? We'll we'll go with it. Um, you know, maybe 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 same book, different chapter. I don't know. The point I'm trying to make is that it seems like Georgia's quarterback might be capping the performance of the team. Yeah, let's go with let's go with same song different key. I like that. If if, if that's not a thing that people say, uh, that that's the thing that we'll just say going forward. Um Texas A&M and Vandy again just not a very impressive performance there as as Texas A&M won that game close. It feels like Kellen Mond has been there forever. And, uh, and just not a ton of improvement. I mean, I know the, the fans um, at, uh, at Texas A&M are, are going to, you know, they're going to certainly be talking about Jimbo and his, and his giant contract. But I don't know. Who else were you going to get? Um, it's, it's, he's, he's bringing in the players. Um, they're not as good as the best teams uh, in the SEC. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that uh, when we talk about their upcoming opponent. Um, next week, but it's it's just the the constant uh, you know top ten expectations are probably somewhat unrealistic. Um, 
but uh, but that is where Texas A and Texas A and M is right now. Very high expectations and pretty mediocre on field performance. And the last SEC team um, with some higher expectations that that maybe needs to uh, check itself a little bit would be Tennessee uh, needing a pick six. Um, in a game against a, a pretty weak South Carolina opponent uh, to ultimately win that game by just four points. Again, this is still a, a road win in the SEC, and given where Tennessee's been in recent years, they're going to take anything. So that's uh, that's certainly a good win, um, but but not quite in line with probably what was expected uh, coming into that game for um, Tennessee. Granted, they were only a four-and-a-half-point favorite, so... Um, I guess you know not not a terribly disappointing thing there, but I think uh, there there are some high expectations in the SECs for Tennessee this year, and uh, and ultimately just uh, not the most inspiring performance against the Gamecocks, but a chance to get back on track uh, this coming week against Missouri. We'll talk about that one in just a second. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Miami. I guess let's talk about Miami. They are learning what it is like to have an awesome quarterback and what an awesome quarterback can do to lift your team. They absolutely crushed Florida State. Um, that's after crushing Louisville. Uh, you know, not not much to say here. Um, Florida State, I think, is really, really bad. Um, I don't want to say too much about that because... Uh, Notre Dame, that, that's Notre Dame's next opponent, and I'm knocking on whether that game even happens, but uh, I feel like anything I say about Florida State right now uh, could certainly be thrown back in my face after Notre Dame has to play them with about half of their roster um, properly conditioned. So so we'll hold off on, uh, on any seminal talk uh, for at least a couple weeks. And then in the ACC, you know, Pitt, Pitt, it, I talk a lot about Pitt just being a team that sneaks up uh, on on big time um, opponents, but I don't know that they're going to be sneaking up on anyone this year. They knocked off Louisville um, twenty three to twenty to go to three and zero on the season. You know, Kenny Pickett is I think limited as a quarterback, but he's been there a while and and he's doing a really nice job. They've got a freshman receiver named Jordan Addison who's really lighting it up for them. And that defensive line is just about as strong as anyone in the country's. Um, so watch out for Pitt this year. And in a way, I'm, I'm almost less afraid of, of a highly touted Pitt than I am the sneaky Pitt. Um, but either way, that's a pretty good team that I think is going to contend in the ACC this year. Um, so that's certainly something uh, to watch out for. They do they do get uh, they get Miami and Notre Dame in back to back weeks. In, in late uh, October, and then they are currently scheduled to finish the season with Clemson. Uh, so certainly a, a lot of opportunities for Pitt to, to knock off a big name this season. Um, that is about it for, uh, for last week's slate of games. Again, I say, I mean, what week are we even going to call this? Um, according to ESPN, last week was week four, and this coming week, is week five, so I, I guess we'll go with, I guess we'll go with ESPN on that. Why not? Um, before we move ahead to week five, this isn't particularly useful at the moment, but I just wanna, I just wanna give you guys some insight into all of the uh, improvements that I'm making the show uh, on a year-to-year -year basis. And in this case, uh, as I'm wont to do, I was, 
I was watching uh, some highlights of old Notre Dame games over the summer and uh, and came across a, a soundbite that I thought would be useful for the show. Um, so I don't really have a use for it right now, but I just have a feeling um, that any time there is an important uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown uh, or any really just reason to celebrate uh, the name of this podcast, you will be hearing this. A scoop and score! And, uh, and, and yeah, so that's just something that I am pretty excited about adding. We've had various sound effects uh, throughout the year, whether it was the, the Nittany Lion. Um, I, I tried to incorporate, um, I think, uh, um, uh, Country Roads for, for the mountain range. So we've got some... Uh, We've got some good sound effects. This this podcast is known for really high-level sound effects, and that is another one that we are adding to our repertoire. Uh, let's just, hey, let's hit it one more time. Uh, Chris Fowler, take it away. And scoop and score! Perfect. Um, okay, so on to what we are going to call week five. Seems pretty arbitrary. Uh, in the noon slot, uh, a couple Big 12 games I think worth keeping an eye on. You've got Baylor going to West Virginia, and you've got TCU at Texas. I think Baylor and, and Texas right now uh, have as good a chance as anybody to kind of uh, carry the flag for the Big 12 and, and give them uh, some some uh, the, the perception of strength. So those are, I think, both important games. Obviously, if TCU knocks off Texas, that really could be the end of the Big 12's playoff hopes. Um, and But Baylor, not necessarily directly from a playoff perspective, but just from a, this te- this this conference has has multiple strong teams. Um, I think it's important for the Big 12 that Baylor knocks off West Virginia in that one. Um, at 3.30, uh, Texas A&M is playing at Alabama. Uh, one of my picks of the week here is, is Alabama minus 16 and a half. Uh, I think people still remember uh, those games, you know, Kevin Sumlin coach games with Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans uh, with Texas A&M really giving Alabama trouble. I don't see anything about these two teams uh, that suggests that that is going to be the case. Um, as I mentioned before, Kellen Mond really just uh, just average um, and and Alabama just absolutely reloading. Um, you know, Mac Jones, maybe not quite Tua, but he showed in the back half last year that he is absolutely capable of leading this team. And Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith uh, just slide in for Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. And maybe they don't have four uh, first round type receivers this year, but having two is a pretty good start. I think they should uh, jump out to a two score lead early and ultimately Add uh, add another score at some point in the second half. So I like uh, I like Alabama to win that game by 17 to 24 points. Um, so laying the 16 and a half, I feel I feel pretty comfortable there. I mean, of course, there's always the chance um, for a backdoor cover from Texas A&M. Um, so I guess you know, watch out for that one if if uh, if you're a little bit scared of of a late touchdown dropping it from say 20 to 13. Um, yeah, that's not. Let's say I, I wouldn't put a five-star pick on that one. Um, I am giving five picks this week. So if you want to stay away from one, I, I do understand this, the, the fear of the backdoor cover from Texas A&M there. I won't hold, I won't hold it against you if, if you don't play me on that one. Um, and then maybe the biggest game of the day, uh, 7.30 staying in the SEC. We've got Auburn at Georgia. 
Uh, Auburn handled Kentucky, a team that a team that people uh, have pretty high hopes for this year. Um, Bo Nix, you know, was rock solid. Looked like a second year guy who was really in control of the team. Probably got, not going to make too many mistakes uh, for the Tigers. And then I already talked about uh, George's quarterback situation. Uh, JT Daniels is cleared to play, so he's going to be in this quarterback. Uh, competition will be really interesting to see who Kirby Smart ultimately goes with, uh, how long he goes with uh, that that starter, uh, how many quarterbacks play in this game, and how effective they're able to be. I'm really uh, intrigued to watch this Georgia offense and see if they can take strides forward uh, against Auburn um, as they are you know, trying to prove that they have strong enough quarterback play and a strong enough offense to contend for the national championship. Aside from that, not many uh, big time games this week. The other uh, picks that I made um, for this week, I like Tennessee minus 11 and a half against Missouri. Um, you know, Missouri scored uh, pretty much all of their points against Alabama in garbage time. Um, this game will likely be a little bit closer than that Alabama game was um, kind of throughout. So I, I don't expect Tennessee to quite let up as much. And I think they win that game by 14. Um, so the 11 and a half, I, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, I also like Cincinnati laying 21 against South Florida. Um, Cincinnati might not be as good as Notre Dame, but I do think in a game like this, they are just as capable of blowing out a bad team. Uh, you combine that with, you know, Luke Fickle probably looks at this and says, hey, you know, we're we're in the group of five. We need to really look impressive to have any kind of chance at the playoff. Um, and certainly we want um, a New Year's Six bull bid. Um, so, so style points matter a little bit more when you're a group of five team. And I think Luke Fickle knows that. Um, this USF team is absolutely terrible. Um, as I mentioned, Notre Dame blowing him out, winning 52 to nothing. And, you know, this no fault of, of USF, but they spent part of last week kind of dealing with some of the, the contact tracing, uh, figuring out if, if any of their players were, were um, impacted by, by Notre Dame having COVID. So they would have been a little out of sorts over the last week. Um, you know, again, it's not, uh, it's not something I feel good about, uh, but if you want to use a tidbit like that uh, to factor into a betting decision, I just think Cincinnati is, is primed to, to win this game by 40 points, and, and they're only laying 21. Um, I would think they're going to be up by, by four scores at halftime. So hopefully uh, you, you lay the points with Cincinnati and, and you're able to mostly relax through the second half of that one. Uh, two more picks. I do like Mississippi State laying 18 against Arkansas. Arkansas, as I met, as I mentioned, is really terrible. Um, despite uh, despite the fact that they kept it close um, for about three quarters against Georgia, and and with Leach at Mississippi State, you know they're going to put points up. So I don't think Arkansas is going to be able to keep pace. I see no reason why Mississippi State uh, won't get to 40 in this one, and, and I don't see Arkansas. Uh, breaking 20. So laying the 18 with Mississippi State, I like that one. And my last one, uh, just as I'm, I'm shoveling dirt on Oklahoma, uh, I really like them laying six and a half at Iowa State. Um, one of one of Lincoln Riley's very few uh, regular season losses as the coach of Oklahoma came against Iowa State. So uh, along with Kansas State, Iowa State would be a team that I think is on his list. Uh, I, I highly doubt uh, he's going to let that team lose two games in a row. 
And ever since uh, Notre Dame played Iowa State in that Camping World Bowl last year, there was a lot of hype, some of it coming from me, about that Iowa State team coached by Matt Campbell, uh, led by Brock Purdy at quarterback. And the more I've watched that team, they're just not very good. Um, Brock Purdy is not the quarterback that uh, that I once thought he was. Uh, if if you watch this game, you are going to hear the announcers talk quite a bit quite a bit about how Brock Purdy is an NFL caliber quarterback. They're going to keep saying it, and his play on the field is going to not not back up what they're saying. It's uh, it, it'll be a fun game for you to play if you if you want to bet this and watch it. Just uh, you know, take a take a drink from your beverage of choice every time the broadcast mentions that he's uh, an NFL quarterback and then take uh, an additional drink every time he does something that proves the contrary. So I think uh, you lay the six and a half. Uh, we're pretty comfortable with Oklahoma winning that game by a touchdown and we roll from there. Um, aside from that, I don't have a lot. Uh, so, so that's about it. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully all the teams this year, Stay safe, um, avoid COVID, avoid major disruptions with the season, and hopefully we can keep moving forward and uh, and have something resembling a normal season here. Uh, I hope to uh, be talking to you every week from now until December, and uh, and let's have a great season, everyone. I will talk to you next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul.